Greetings and welcome to, back to Shnayim Mikra. My name is Yitzchak Shalom, and I'm thrilled to be studying Parashat Mishpatim with you in this wonderful series uh, sponsored by the Orthodox Union hosted at OU.org in which in each podcast we study and investigate one of the aliyot of the current parasha. This week, of course, is Parashat Mishpatim. And we are blessed uh, in this podcast and in the next two with relatively short aliyot so we can expand our discussion a little bit. Elohim lo tekala. We're now in Revi'i, which is Parak Chaf Bet Pasuk Chaf Zayim. Chapter 22, verse 27. Elohim lo tekala. Now, this is not a prohibition against cursing God that we find plenty of. This is a prohibition against cursing the Beit Din, uh, or the Dayan. This is because, as we've seen in throughout Parshat Mishpatim, the word Elohim, almost from the beginning of the Parsha, is a reference to the Beit Din. Anasivi Amcha lo ta'or. It's parallel. Anasivi Amcha gives us some new information, a leader among the people, but that's only ba'osem ma'asei Amcha. That's only if he's behaving like he's supposed to. Which means that there is no prohibition if he's behaving wrongly, such as we experienced through many parts of history, whether it was during Machut Yisrael or a lot of Machut Yehuda, or even even um, afterwards during, during the Hasmonean era, when we had leaders who really were not behaving appropriately. If just want a brief example, look at Kiddush and Nafsamachvav and the story about Alexander Yanite. Molei atchavidim acher. These are your um, the the. Your filled granaries. Do not delay, meaning do not delay bringing the gifts. And the firstborn of your children you give to me. This is something we read a couple weeks ago in Parshat uh, Bo at the end. And this, of course, is fixed with Pidyon Haben. And now we continue to talk about gifts given to God. So we have really moved away, it seems, although that is only temporary, from torts and from um, civil and criminal matters. We're now talking about Korashim, offerings. This is also what you should do with your oxen and your sheep that you either have to or want to give to the Mikdash. It should be with its mother for seven days. On the eighth day, give it to me. Meaning that no Korban is accepted before it's, before it's on its eighth day. You yourselves should be on Shekodesh. So not only in your offerings to the Mikdash, but also in how you behave outside of the Mikdash and what you eat. And the meat of an animal that is a trefa, and a trefa means that it is dying, that it's been wounded in such a way. The classic example of a trefa is, of course, that it was wounded by another animal. But in any case, while it is dying, you may not eat it. You can throw it to the dogs. In other words, you can get benefit from it. You could feed your dogs with it. You could, uh, uh, depending on to whom, you could sell it. But you cannot eat it. Now, we seem to move back, in other words, the beginning of chapter 23, which, of course, is an artificial division. But we seem to be moving back to the criminal and civil area. You may not carry a false rumor. In other words, operate in your courts based on a false rumor. Do not put your lot in with a rashal hiyot eid chamas. The word chamas means to take something with violence. And an eid chamas is a witness who conspires to lie to hurt somebody else. So you should not join him. And what that means is, let's say that you know proper testimony about somebody, and the only other guy there is an eid chamas. You can't join him. Because he is lying, and even though he happens to be saying the right thing, he wasn't there. And he's not really a proper eid. 
This becomes a very important principle at the beginning of Masachat Sanhedrin, and in about a week or so, we'll all be starting that in our Dafyomi studies, and you're welcome to join me at dafyomiyik.org as we study Masachat Sanhedrin. At the very beginning, when the makeup of a beitin for a capital case is defined as 23, um, part of that configuration is based on this pasuk. Now, the simple read of that is, even if the majority are uh, are behaving a certain way, but if it's wrong, don't follow them. And if don't follow the majority just doing, because they're doing the wrong thing. But we see that this is not talking about general behavior, but rather about the court, because and don't and don't respond to a a dispute or a suit following the majority. And was if you, as a judge, know that the case really should be different, just because the majority of your colleagues are saying one way. You know it should be differently, speak up, and don't follow the majority, and perhaps your opinion will be listened to, and perhaps justice will be done as you know it. Uh, however, um, the way that this has worked to make up the constitution of a, uh, of a Beitin is several things. First of all, the fact that we talk about Lehatot, the last word in the Pasuk, is, <coughs> is perhaps the source for the notion that a Beitin can never be of an even number. There always has to be a Hatayah. There always has to be the ability to have a decision. Second of all, the Lotia Chariyabim Laraot teaches us that your decision for the bad, as it were, cannot be the same as your decision for the good. Now, we're putting these in absolute terms, and the only way you could look at that would be in a capital case, uh, where there's a person who either is going to be convicted and die, or be acquitted and not die. So therefore we say that the, your hataya lera'a cannot be like your hata'a l'tova. In other words, the, the, the vote to, um, to acquit need not be as big of a majority as your con- vote to convict. And therefore, since we learn from two other psukim in uh, Parshat Masay that you need 20 Dianim for a capital case. Therefore, we say, aha, but if you're going to convict, you need to be able to have a majority of two. So that means it would have to be 12 to 10. And since you can't have an even bait team, therefore you need 23. Now, by the way, you could acquit if you had, um, if you only had 12 to 11 in favor of acquittal. What happens, of course, if you have 12 to 11 in favor of conviction? So it's something like a hung jury where you cannot convict based on that to kill, but on the other hand, he's not acquitted. You cannot favor the poor man in his suit. In other words, you can't show favoritism just because he's poor. He has to be judged fairly along with everybody else. I remember hearing a wonderful story from uh, the Rabbi Rashul, Rabbi Muskin, uh, years ago. Beautiful story uh, that really showed, uh, uh, demonstrated the, conne- the connection and the synthesis of Chesed Umishpat. He told the story that many years ago there was a poor man, a uh, homeless man who was caught, stealing a few breads from a bakery. And he was brought to court. And the man was penniless. He had nothing with which to pay back. He pleaded his case. And the judge found him guilty and said, you have to pay $10. That's what you, that's what you stole. And then the judge immediately put a hat out on the, um, on the lectern. And he took $10 out and put it into the hat and passed the hat around and they collected so much money that this fellow finally had something to start with. The mishpat was done. He was chayiv. On the other hand, we have no obligation and the opposite, we do have, we have no obligation to turn away from the fellow. The opposite, we have an obligation to try to help the fellow and do what we can to get him back on his feet. And that's what was done then. Beautiful story. If you encounter 
the ox or the donkey of your enemy. And the Gemara Psachim Daf Kufiud Gimel talks about how could this be? How could it? We're talking about another Jew. How could another Jew be your enemy? As somebody who violated uh, violated something, you gave him you gave him tochacha. Uh, he didn't listen to you, um, and you find him wandering around. Hashem Tishivan Alo. In other words, even though he's your enemy, you still have to return the animal to him. This is the mitzvah of Prika. If you see the donkey of your enemy, or someone you hate, uh, collapsing under his load, and you wanted to walk away from him, sorry, means that you, you wanted to avoid helping him, the opposite, you must help. And you must help, who's the him? Not the donkey, the owner. There's the owner, somebody you don't like, He's trying to unload his donkey before the donkey collapses. He's having a hard time with it. You have to go and help him. Now, what happens if you come and start helping to unload the donkey, and the guy says, oh, you've got a mitzvah of uh, prika, and so therefore I'm going to sit on the side and let you do your mitzvah. Then you're not obligated. You're only obligated if he himself is working on it, which is a very powerful lesson about tzedakah in general and about interpersonal relations in general. Um, when somebody will say, well, you've got an obligation of tzedakah, you've got an obligation to help. No, 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 that's my personal dialogue with myself. That's what HaKadosh Baruch says to me. I am somebody of means, therefore I have an obligation to help. You, on the other hand, have an obligation to do what you can for yourself, and not to just sit back and let somebody else take care of your life for you. A uh, very important lesson that we learned from the Halachot of Prikat, and specifically Prikat Chamor Sonna Again, the Gemara Psachim discusses how you could have a Sonne, because we're talking here about another Jew. How could that be? After all, uh, but that is a discussion that goes beyond what we can accomplish in this form. In the next podcast, we will take a look at a stellar piece and a beautiful, beautiful Sforno. Um, um, in the fifth Aliyah, in the meantime, everybody should have a wonderful day.